VBS, it feels like a week ago, and then other times it feels like years ago. And uh, so I'm in VBS, and I get a text from a friend of mine who's a pastor and has started doing some global ministry things. And um, he says, hey, I need a college student that's mature and would be open to working with orphans. And I was like, well, she's a college student, and she'd be open to working with orphans. <laughs> Had to go check on the mature part. And so um, anyway... And so she literally, she walked in front of me, Libby did, when I got that text. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool. And I talked to her and she said, my opportunity that I thought I was going to have for the summer ended Friday. And this was Monday. And uh, by Thursday, she was on a plane to Cambodia. And um, so Monday to Thursday, her life and what she was going to do for the summer has radically changed. So welcome Libby Reed back from Cambodia. So... I actually wasn't given a very thorough job description of what I'd be doing over there, as you can imagine. So it was several different things that I was able to do. You're getting the PowerPoint up. Yeah. Um, so I was able to stay in two different host homes while I was there. Um, the first one was in Sambit, which is more of a tourist attraction, more of a hot spot for people to come and see Cambodia. So Sam Reap, you can see where the little airplane is. That's where I was for the first two weeks of my stay there. And so I stayed with a pastor that was living there, and we would literally just take my Bible, go out into the village, and try and share with them the word of God. Many of them were new believers, but were very dry and needing that spiritual food that Hayden was talking about. And so they were relying on the Christian who comes from America, who knows all about Jesus, to just give them all these insights. So I don't know if I quite fit that part, but I was able to share with them my faith, my testimony, a little bit of my story, and why I thought it was worth spending a lot of money on a plane ticket to come and tell them about God. And so I was there giving three classes a day, um, where I was there uh, preaching, not preaching, but using my Bible to talk three times a day. And <laughs> That's preaching. <laughs> so we would go out in the morning, um, and then in the afternoon, the, the father of the home I was staying at, we would have a Bible study with his kids. Uh, you can go on to the next one. And, and then in the evening, we would go out into the village again and uh, have another Bible study. So you can see the top middle one is the house I was staying at. And so those were his children that I would have Bible study with. And then on the far, the far left is one of the babies, the children of one of the families that I went to almost daily and tried to share with them the word of God. So the bottom picture is the house. So there was a western-sized toilet, so I wasn't having to squat here. And, <laughs> and there was a bed. So it was closer to what I'm used to than I will experience at the next village. As you can see, the electrical system is not ideal, but they did have electricity, and they were able to charge phones and use lights and all of that fun stuff. And so this was my first two weeks that I was there. The next five weeks, which you'll see on the next slide, is uh, where I spent the bulk of my time and where I really fell in love uh, with Cambodia. But before we get there, there's actually a couple of sightseeing that I got to do. So the Angkor Wat Temple, how many of you have heard of Angkor Wat Temple? No, it's actually the largest, 
religious uh, monument in the world. And so it is Buddhist, and um, it covers an expanse probably like half the size of LaGrange, honestly. Um, it is huge, 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 and it's actually in three different temples that we got to go and visit. Um, so that was my first little tourist adventure I got to do. And then the next one was um, in this place called the Floating Village, and I'm not going to try and pronounce the first part. And so what it is is um, as, the, as the river rises and falls, it, uh, the villagers pack up their houses and move with it. So they all live in a little box of a house, like seven to ten people. And if you see on the bottom left, they don't have school buses, but they do have school boats. So this boat will go around and pick up the students as they're going to school. That's the school in the background. And so those are the two things I got to do while I was in Sermit. And then I traveled to a place called Andong Trang Village. And this is where I was given the responsibility of teaching English to the villagers. And so I had three classes a day, and the bottom right is where I had my adult class. So the family I was staying with, they were all Christians, and it really is true what Hayden talked about with, um, it felt it feels like family. It's amazing, even without being able to speak the same language or know the different culture or the different foods, just being a Christian really unites people. And so I was able to teach them English at home, so that was an 8 to 9 p.m. class. And then on the top right is the pastor's house. And so that room on the second story you see acts as his house, my classroom, and church on Sunday mornings. So where he sleeps on the floor is also where people come and gather to worship Jesus. So they're actually in the process of building a church that will be open in October. So until then, his house is just used by everyone and anyone. And so the bottom left is one of the pictures of my classes. And so I had three three classes. The nighttime was the adult one, and then two children's classes in the morning at 6.30 and then in the afternoon at 3 p.m. And so all these kids throughout the village, whenever they weren't in school, I still haven't quite figured out their school system because some days they'd be home chilling and the other days they'd be at school. But sometimes I saw them and sometimes I didn't, but it always seemed to be a full class somehow. Uh, A lot of them come from Buddhist homes. And so um, I later found out through a translator that one of the reasons a lot of their faces stopped showing up was because uh, their family found out that the English teacher was a Christian and they were not willing to risk their child learning English um, at the sake of becoming a Christian. So a lot of hurdles to face. There was actually even a pagoda in the middle of the courtyard of the school. So from early as six or seven years old, whenever they went to school, they were being exposed to Buddhist teachings and seeing monks and hearing the sounds, the music from the pagoda. So there is definitely a need for um, evangelism in this city. And so having a white American brought a lot of attention to the Christian home. So I was thankful for my skin making my Jesus big. (laughs) So you can go to the next slide. now. So other than teaching, whenever we did have a translator, which was rare, but it did happen, we were able to go out into, um, we went to a hospital, which is in the top left, and what little Khmer, Khmer is the language they speak there, I learned I was able to to form some type of conversation with the patients there, like ask how old they were, what their name is. Um, I was able to learn how to say, can I pray for you? So that's what we're doing in the top left. And, and so in the bottom pictures, that is actually the family 
the mother and the sisters of the pastor who I got so close to. And so he is one of eight children and the only Christian. So he took me to his family any chance he could um, with a translator and trying to show them uh, that his faith is not just something he does, but it's something that we practice in America too. And so in the top right picture is just me and another American that came three weeks into my stay there and us with some children that we, that we were playing with. And then after, um, so while I was staying there, uh, I really did get did get close with the family. I'm not a crier, but I did have some tears fall when it was time to go. So in the middle picture, so I'm, I'm in the middle, that is, uh, that's my Cambodian parents. My, my ang and papon is what I call them. And they took me in like they were, like I was their daughter. They called me Kong Sre Libby, which is Libby, my daughter. Um, and I still communicate with them on Facebook. Yeah, I have to put everything into Google Translate. And it probably comes out totally wrong and incoherent. But um, it's one of the sweetest things is getting to, getting to know them. And in the bottom left picture, those are the kids of the family I stayed with. So they were at every class, even if others decided to miss. And in the top left picture, I'm not a good singer, but they loved hearing me sing. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> but I was singing at church, I think, two or three times while I was there. Um, and that, he, you probably can't see him, but he, his name is Sokjia, and he acted as a translator for me. Uh, and then, and if you see on the right side, that is a baptism. So my last day there, we went to a zoo. And there was, um, there was like an overflow of water and a waterfall and rapids. And we had nine baptisms. And I think half of them were my students, too. Um, I, wasn't, I, ne- I was never filled in on when they became Christians or, um, or at what point in their life they decided to follow Christ. But uh, one of the reasons many of them were baptized was simply because this was the first time they were they had the opportunity to stand in clean water waist deep because there's no, no bathtubs, no showers, and most of the water isn't drinkable, much less baptismable. But <laughs> the word. Um, so that was what I got to do on my very last day there. So that was a really sweet ending, too, to my time with them. Next slide. So this is the, I guess, going away party that I had. So on the last day when we... We crammed 35 people into a tuk-tuk. I don't know if you know what a tuk-tuk is, but it's not quite a bus, um, but it's able to transport people. And so we fit that many people into a tuk-tuk. And behind them is the church that they're building. So come October, Alan Carr, who is the director that contacted Chris, he'll be there in October and uh, wants to have a grand opening for the church. So right down the road is a pagoda. And... The house that I showed you that acts as the church is too close to the pagoda, and it's against um, Cambodian religious rules for as many people that come to his house to be that close to a pagoda. So they had to invest in a church a little ways further down the road. So that's where that building is. You can go to the next slide. And, ooh, I should have made that bigger. So the adventure um, that this summer brought me showed me several things. First of all, it comes from Proverbs 
16:9, which says, "The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps." And as Chris kind of talked about, I was not planning on going to Cambodia for for most of my summer, but um, two weeks into an internship that I had, um, some things changed and. I was left searching for something to do, and two days after that happened, um, this kind of fell into my lap. So it was really hard. It was easy to talk my dad into it because he could see as plainly as I could that this was this was where I was supposed to go. And you, many of you have heard the saying, uh, "Actions speak louder than words." Um, What's well, true? I could not speak the language they they spoke, but I was able to convey my love for them and my love for Christ simply by my body movements or my smile or the way I cared for them, or the way I taught their their students English. So actions do say a lot, and there's a lot you can say um, and show love without speaking. Again, it is important that you use words, but uh, there are other means as well. And then how great it is to meet a need. Um, My degree at Baylor is not education. I'm not a teacher by any means, um, and I've never taught other than BBS. So this was definitely out of my comfort zone. Uh, but it is true that God equips the called. And so if you're called to do something, he'll give you the means to do it. And then that God really does have a plan. And most times it's better than the one you have to. Uh, I don't know where I would have ended up had I stayed in LaGrange or even Waco for the summer, but I can honestly tell you that this was better. And I have so much more joy and so much more stories and adventures behind me than I'll probably ever get um, at any other summer in my lifetime. And then lastly, that God is anything but boring. He is the best tour guide, and he has reaffirmed my faith that he does have a plan for me, even if it feels like like my ministry isn't soaring or I'm not touching as many lives as as I think I need to, and that he's using you even if you feel like you're in a dry season. So this summer was a really, really, really great, opportunity for me to experience another culture and put my faith into practice and to take what Second Baptist has taught me over all these years into another country. So thank you. This is why one of the things we had a new members class even today and one of the things I tell them a new members class um, a requirement of being a member here at Second Baptist is a passport. Because you never know. When you're obedient, you never know where God's going to call you and when he's going to call you and what he wants you to do. And um, having been in those situations where chickens are sleeping underneath you and church is held in-house, listen, we've got it good. Right? Even our worst days are better than this. But listen, I think one of the things Libby texted back to me, she said, I understand now. The pure joy of Jesus, the simplicity of life. You saw the electricity. They don't have multiple iPhones, iPads, Netflix. I mean, you ever had that moment where you're, you're mad at Netflix or your iPad because it's doing that? Yeah. First world problems, my friend. But the rest of the world needs to know that we love Jesus and that we're willing on a moment's notice to hop on a plane and go where God calls us. So thank you, um, Libby, for doing that. Thank you, Second Baptist.
So I'm going to change what I'm going to, supposed to talk about, so don't throw Jonah up there, okay? We'll jump into Jonah next week. Um, Acts 1.8. It's at the end of Jesus' ministry, and the disciples had asked him. He'd already resurrected, and it's um, he'd been showing himself to, to hundreds of thousands of witnesses to the resurrection. And so the disciples asked this last question, when, when, will the, when will the end times come? And Jesus says, only the Father knows. And um, Jesus obviously was, at this moment, they understood who he was and had a better understanding that he was more than just a great teacher or a great rabbi. And so they were waiting for, still I think, for this Jesus guy to, to make the nation of Israel great again. And, and when, when are you going to return and to make this the nation that we think that it should be? And his very next phrase, he says, but you... You will be my witnesses unto the nations. You will go to Jerusalem, which was to the city where they lived. You will go to Judea, which was to the county. And you will go to Samaria. To Samaria is the places outside of, of our county, but to the places that are, that are where the unspoken people live. They live. And um, to go to those places and even to the ends of the earth. And so what I love about the last year, I've been here almost a year now, and it's scary for some of you and exciting for others, I don't know. And so a year, and one of the things that I'm excited about is seeing this stuff taking place, VBS, and just people jumping in at 100 volunteers saying, I may not know, I may not like kids, I may not know anything about kids, I don't know enough about the Bible, I don't know enough about crafts, I don't know, but I'm going to get in because I know that, that I need to be doing this. And so they, they hop in and to see the life change that takes place. Adults going as youth sponsors to youth camp, so 60-something students can go to youth camp. And, and, um, and if you haven't heard this, the rumor teenagers are crazy. And they like to stay up, and they smell, and they tell stories, and, and it's not like when we grew up. So they have different problems that we have, and so they have adult problems, and so it's uncomfortable. And so adults to say, hey, listen, I want to jump into the messiness of students' lives because to let them know that even as adults, we're messy too. And to jump into that and say, I'm just gonna, we're going to help love on each other and, and bring Christ to this situation. And then adults... Um, going to kids camp. I mean, that's scary for some of you, right? When they said, hey, would you go to kids camp with third through sixth graders? You're like, I don't even know if I like my own kids. Um, do I have to change diapers still at third grade? You know what I mean? All this different stuff that you're thinking of and just, and it's what's the temperature going to be? And you're like, hey, awesome. It's a cool front. It's 105. Um, but there is water you get to jump into. And so just all those different things, you know, 25 going to Puerto Rico and, and not knowing anything and, and jumping into that. And then Libby saying, hey, yes. And what's crazy to me, Libby, is I got, a, I got an article this week from Christianity Today. And uh, one of the places that the gospel is spreading fastest, Cambodia. It's crazy, isn't it? And so you've been a part of that. A, a second Baptist through Libby is seeing the gospel spread and you're like man we're just in lagrange texas in fayette county and listen god desires to use you so this very same call that he made to his disciples the 11 disciples there and he said you will be my witnesses it wasn't just to those 11 but it's to us as well saying you individually you as a community you will be my witnesses school's about to start you will be my witnesses in kindergarten teachers you will be my witnesses Coaches, you will be my witnesses. Football players, cheerleaders, all you will be my witnesses. Your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, even at your school, whenever you look into the, you go into the 
to lunch and you see that Samaria place, you know where it's at, where no one else will go. That's where God's called us to go. And the thing about Jonah this morning, and we're, we're not going to dig too deep into this, but in Jonah, Jonah gets a call and he gets a call to the neighbors that he hates the most. It's like the one neighbor that he doesn't want to go to. That's the nasty house. It's the whatever, whatever that is. They're different from him and they're actually mean. And everyone in town knows those are the people you don't want to hang out with. You don't want to talk to. You want to avoid those people. And then God calls Jonah to those people. And he was loving his life as one of the prophets in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, if you look over into 2 Kings Chapter 14, verse 25, he's one of the prophets. He was a well-known prophet of the day in, second, in Jeroboam II's reign in about 800. And so he's this well-known prophet, and God says, Hey, listen, well-known prophet, I got, a, I got a job for you. I want you to go to Assyria, the place that's known for it, to the Nineveh, the beginning part of Assyria, and I want you to go talk to those people because who they are and what they're about, the evilness of them, the aroma of their evilness has basically has reached my nostrils. It's a pretty powerful image. The, the, the aroma of your evil has reached the nostrils of God. And so God is saying, listen, those people are worthy and worth and valuable enough for me to send one of my prophets so they can hear the story, the good news of Yahweh. So being Jonah, being human, he looks at that and he says, <laughs> that's funny. And he literally pays the fare, jumps on a boat, and doesn't even go in that direction. He goes 180 degrees in the opposite direction from where he was supposed to go. Think about for us, how many times have we had that inner calling in that moment of, hey, I need you to talk to this person. I need you to stop. I need you to, to do whatever it is and to, to, to intercede on someone's behalf or to have action with someone, talk with someone that maybe you don't know or maybe you're uncomfortable with, whatever, and we don't do it and we walk past it and we've missed that opportunity. We literally sometimes go in a complete opposite direction from where God's asking us and calling us to go. So the story I want you to grasp this morning as we begin to think about Jonah over the next few weeks is, is this story real? Can I believe the story? Well, Jesus talked about it, and if Jesus is truth and he only talks truth, and if he refers back to the story of Jonah as true, then I'm going to take it as true. All right? And then there's actually stories after stories after stories of people throughout history that have fallen off boats and have been swallowed by different fish of different size, and they find them three to four to five days later, and they're alive in a fish. Okay? So actually, I think there's one photo that I wanted to show you all this morning. Jose, can you pull up? There's one photo in the midst. It's like slide number five or six or something that I want you to see that this even happened a couple of weeks ago where this guy was in the Portland, Seattle area. He's a dentist, local dentist in the area, and he liked to kayak. So any of y'all been kayaking? A few of you? Yeah, don't go with Fernando, okay? <laughs> but I've, I've gone before and kayaking, and this guy was out early morning kayaking, and somebody just happened to catch this instance, this incident, that happened. Um, kind of crazy. There's the photo. Uh, that's a whale, my friends. So you can imagine going out to, to the lake thinking you're going to have a nice leisurely um, experience. And he is in the mouth of the whale. Literally. Um, and this was just a couple of weeks ago. And a guy just happened to be pulling up and was taking some photos and this whale came up in the midst of it. He did survive. He was scared out of his mind, I heard. Um, 
So it's, don't you think he's going to fit inside that? Yeah, yeah, he's going to fit easy. All right? And so, listen, the story of Jonah is real. Read it over the next few weeks, few days, and we'll come talk a little bit more about Jonah and how that's relevant to our life and our stories this week. God calls us to places that we're not comfortable going. And so my challenge for you as you get involved here and get a part of Second Baptist is, as you're a new member, you're doing all the things, you're coming to church regularly, you're getting in a life group. Life groups are rolling out here in the fall. You're going to hear a lot about that um, in the coming weeks. And so I'm excited about that. And then get your passport because you're going to be going. Um, my friend Alan that Libby worked with this summer, she originally was going to go to Burma, and that even changed like in midweek. She's not going to Burma, now she's going to Cambodia. There's an opportunity for us to become a part of an orphanage in Burma. And um, so Alan's going to be there in October. They're, they're literally building it as we speak. And um, I would love for us, for some of you, to pray about possibly going in February, um, the, that around Valentine's Day, a couple weeks around there, and um, to go to Burma and to hug on kids and to love on kids um, in the remote areas of Burma. It's safe. I would send my daughter, okay? I would send my son, so it's safe. Um, but it is different. So pray about that. And then Puerto Rico, um, we'll be going that and doing that again. And you'll be hearing soon about some stuff that we'll be doing um, at some of the campuses around in Puerto Rico. But I want us to be a people that are moving and grooving and going and seeing what God's happening. You will be my witnesses around the world, and that includes you. So as you look in the mirror this morning, be thinking, God, what are you calling me to do? Yeah, so let's pray together. Father, thank you for your stories. Thank you for the stories of um, what you did at camp. Father, thank you for the story of what you've done in Libby's life and disobedience. And I pray for us as well, that we would be hearts of obedience. And truly, in those hearts of obedience, what you're just asking us to do is to share, this is my story. This is my song. This is why I can sing. This is why I have joy that passes all circumstances. Not because I've arrived, not because I've achieved anything, but because of Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross for me. That he saw value and worth in me and said, I give my life for you. So, Father, that that is my story. That is my song. And I want to repeat that over and over and over again. Wherever you take us. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, high school, to work. Wherever it may be, Father, may we be obedient to share our story. It's in your Son's name that we pray.